welcome to the Northway College Podcast. My name is Ryan, and I serve as college pastor at Northway Church, and I'm here with... Julia Parks, and I'm the female discipleship coordinator here at Northway. Awesome. Yeah, so we're really excited that you're listening, and kind of the purpose behind this is we want to give just an overview of the things that we've talked about uh, in our college ministry this semester or up to this point. And so we'll overview some of our home team studies and overview our worship nights like proximity. And basically just it'll serve as a tool for maybe if you've missed one, it'll catch you up. Or maybe you just want uh, a little bit more than the home teams. You want to go in depth a little bit further. And so that's kind of the heart behind this. And in our home team studies for this semester, we've done a study called Searching the Heart of the King. And it's a study of the life of David. And it's it's not just going through his life chronologically. It's it's going through periods of his life that correlate with psalms that he wrote as well. And the hope is that not only we would learn lessons from the the stories from his life, but that we would also get to see the emotions behind uh, these times, and that we'd be able to learn from those as well. And so it's been really good. We've really enjoyed it. And so we wanted to overview the first three weeks of the the studies that we've done so far and then like i said we'll at the end we'll overview proximity as well so i'm gonna kick it over to julia to kind of ask questions for us so week one the first week of home teams the top the title was my refuge and we talked about first samuel 19 and psalm 59 do you want to summarize what those are about ryan yeah so this is picking up at a point in David's life where he's he's already killed Goliath and he's actually in the service of Saul, who's the king at the time. But but Saul had been rejected by God and he he disobeyed. And David was actually anointed as king, but he wasn't king yet. He was in a period of, of waiting. But Saul, he, he didn't like David. He was jealous of him and he actually tried to kill him on multiple occasions. And this picks up in a time where Saul is is trying to kill him and he's actually friends with David's son Jonathan at this point but Jonathan his loyalties with David and he warns him and uh, he helps him out and David ends up eventually fleeing from Saul and running away from him and Saul chases after him and tries to kill him but God intervenes in a supernatural way, and Saul and all his men end up actually worshiping God instead. And so David's life is preserved and saved through Saul. And so the three points that we, we made that we worked through in home teams were, one, David finds refuge in a friend that is closer than a brother. So he found refuge in Jonathan as a friend, as a brother. And two, he found refuge in his trusted spiritual mentor, and that's Samuel. He, Because when he flees, he actually runs to Samuel, who was the prophet at the time. And then three, and ultimately, he finds refuge in God himself. And you see that all throughout the psalm as he, he cries out to God for help and, and sings this psalm or writes this psalm. And so he found refuge, most importantly, in God. And so we, we talked through these three main points and how they apply to our lives for the, the lesson. Um, so for you, Julia, was there anything that kind of stood out to you or any kind of questions that came up in y'all's home team when y'all discussed these things? So the first week in my home team, we focused on the finding refuge in a friend for most of the um, 
time we met. And we talked a lot about vulnerability and allowing others to carry your burdens with you. Um, and just the humility that takes to actually open up and rely on other people instead of um, pretending to have it all together. And one girl in my home team had a really good question after, as we were talking about that. And she asked if you can find refuge in a friend who's not a Christian. Like, can you allow non-Christians to help carry your burdens? And to that, I think you can allow them to walk with you through harder stages of life and to carry your burdens. But the there's so much more depth and value in having a Christian friend um, be the friend you find refuge in. Because they... One, they're going to understand what you're going through more. And then two, they also can provide the hope and encouragement that's found in the gospel that a non-Christian friend can't. Um, that's good. The, yeah, the Christian will always point you back to the gospel, which is really important. Yeah, that's really good. And so the, the gospel in this that we talked a little bit about is, is that David is the rightful king of Israel. Saul is the current and rejected king, and Jonathan is heir to the throne. And Saul and Jonathan, ultimately, they both have a choice to make. They can either reject or embrace David's kingship. And Saul, he clings to power and attempts to fight the inevitable, and he spends his life enviously fighting to keep his crown, and ultimately, he ends up taking his own life in battle. But then you have Jonathan, who embraces David. He gives up his right as heir to the throne, and he realizes that David is going to be king, and he submits to that truth, and he enters into this beautiful relationship with David. And so the question is, will we be like Saul, or will we be like Jonathan? Because David would eventually become king no matter what. Saul fights it fervently, but eventually he takes his own life in battle, and then David is crowned king. And so you can either choose to die to yourself and make Jesus as king of your life, or you can fight it to the death. But either way, it ends with your death and Jesus as king. Um, and with one death, there's redemption, but with the other de death, there's an eternity spent with a beautiful relationship with your king. Um, and so that that's kind of the gospel that we found in it. Um, thanks to what Jesus did in our lives, we, we can submit to him as king and we can trust him with that. And that will ultimately be beneficial for us for now and, and for ultimately eternity as well. So that kind of was a summary of of week one of home teams. So week two, we talked about putting your trust in God. And we talked about 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 15. And then Psalm 56 was David's, um, his emotional response in the middle of what he was going through. Do you want to summarize what both of those were about, Ryan? Yeah, so David's on the run and he actually runs to a place called Gath, or he runs first, excuse me, to, to a place called Nob where he, uh, is refreshed by the priest there, and he actually ends up with the sword of Goliath. And we actually were going to talk about this later on in the semester. But from there, he flees to Gath. Now, Gath, what's significant about it is it's the hometown of Goliath. And so there you have David who killed Goliath, their champion, and is taking his sword to the hometown of Goliath. And so it's kind of a scary situation. And David's actually found out there. They found out who he is, and he's terrified. And it says that he he takes the words of the king to heart. And that, for me, was actually something that stood out, was this idea of of taking something to heart and what that means and what that looks like. Because I think we, we do that 
so often where we take words um, that invoke fear in our lives, that invoke insecurity, and we let them get rooted down in our heart. And so David has done this. He's fearful and he actually acts crazy to protect himself. And then eventually he's, he's set free. But Psalm 56, which is the one we looked out for this week, for week two, it deals all with his emotions. And David's like open and raw and honest with his emotions. He, he cries out to God. And it's, I, I'd encourage you to go and read that psalm for yourself because it, it really is a very honest and vulnerable psalm. But, but the thing that's super interesting about the psalm is it's kind of got a stacked pattern. And what that means is he'll cry out to God and cry out in his emotions, but he doesn't just stop and leave them there. He then speaks truth to God, to uh, the truths of God to himself. He, he proclaims the truths of God on top of his emotions. He doesn't just, uh, just cry out and, and talk about how terrible things are and then just stop. He speaks these truths on top of it. And so we talked about how important it is to, to preach the truths of God to ourselves, and to, to not just stop and stay in this place of, um, of these emotions of fear and insecurity and, and depression and all these things that we face. So we talked about just fighting uh, these lies with the truth of God. So One thing that... Um I thought was cool about this psalm is that David, like Ryan said, he does feel his emotions honestly. Like lots of the time we choose to numb ourselves and we'll just avoid negative emotions or anything that could be hard to deal with and we just like step them away until they build up and then we don't know why we're overwhelmed and anxious. Um, and it's just, it's so important to one, feel your emotions. But then also, like Ryan said, you have to take your emotions somewhere. Like someone a lot wiser than me that I look up to told me that you can't, like you can't just sit in your emotions. So that's mm. not productive. That's they always have to go somewhere. You have to take them somewhere. And so like David does, he feels them. Like he doesn't avoid the fear and exhaustion and feeling oppressed and um, desperate and abandoned. He feels all these things and then takes them to God. Because our emotions tell us a lot about ourselves. Like, you can learn a lot from your emotions, and then um, and then you can take them to God and are able to um, process them in light of truth. Yeah, that's good. And then he does all he can do, and he changes your heart and molds mm -hmm. and shapes your heart and brings the stability and peace that you need for that. And that's, that's awesome. And the, the gospel that we see in, in this passage is, is in... David's cry for deliverance. He hopes for deliverance. And obviously it's, it's about this specific situation, but it's actually pointing to the future of the Messiah as well. And that God ultimately would, through Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection on the cross, would bring deliverance for those who put their faith and trust in him. And then with that deliverance, we can walk in the light of life, walk in the light of hope, like it talks about in the passage. And it brings that stability and that security that we we need. And so it, the, the take-home of this was just the implementing this pattern that we see in David of taking these emotions to, to God, like Julia was talking about, and, and being honest and open with them, but then speaking truth, uh, the truths of Christ, and the truths that God promises in Scripture to these emotions as well, and trusting ultimately in His deliverance. 
So moving to week three. So week three was about um, thankfulness and thanking the Lord. And so we looked at 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 15, which is the same story as last as the week before. But then we looked at Psalm 34, which is David's response after being delivered. Um, so do you want to add anything to that, Ryan? Yeah, so, so Psalm 34, it's all about afterwards. And the big idea is that he's got a heart of praise. And so we really dove into like what this means, what this looks like, living a lifestyle of praise and that praise is an action. It, it, it stirs your, your heart to action. And so we talked about that, but then the other big part of it, which I thought was really cool is the whole Psalm is David inviting others to praise God too. And he is inviting others to to see what God has done and, and to have hearts of praise as well. And I mean, that's just a big thing. And we do this naturally. Like you don't have to go watch a movie and then be coached how to uh, share with others how great the movie was. You just naturally do that. We, we buy it. That is our nature. And so we talk through what it looks like to praise the Lord and, and to invite others to do it and how ultimately it starts with our affections for God and stirring our affections for him by looking at the things that he's done. And then from there, like um, just, just one living a life of praise, life of obedience, but then encouraging others to see God and what he's done as well. Just being, just proclaiming all that he's done. Um, was there anything in there that, that stood out to you or y'all had good discussion about in that passage? Um, I think one thing we noticed that was kind of cool is that, like, David wasn't, he was delivered from this one circumstance, but he was still, like, in the middle of running for his life. It's not like everything was magically better for, like, after that. And so it's cool that, like, he's able to praise God and thank him in spite of, like, everything wasn't immediately better then. He was still suffering and going through hardships, but was able to recognize what God had done. And it was also really cool how he, like David easily could have, like he's the one who acted crazy and saved himself from being killed. He could have easily given himself all the credit, but he acknowledges that God's the one who saved him. And lots of times we have to like, look outside of ourselves to see that every good gift is from God. That's good. Instead of taking pride in our ability to save ourselves or to do things well or um, put our pride in our accomplishments and things we're good at or yeah. thinking our talents are just ours. Yeah, that's really good. That The thing for us that I think all the home teams talked about and it came up in, in my uh, guys' home team is the part where he talks about the wicked essentially getting justice like and in what we we all said is we like that on level you know like we hear about the wicked getting what they deserve and we're like yeah and you see it in when we watch movies and tv shows whenever i see a a movie or a tv show where like the villain gets finally ultimate justice justice at the end you celebrate that it excites you and so that's the same thing in this passage we're like yeah the wicked get justice but then if you really look at it with honest eyes, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> it, it creates a tension in your heart because you realize like, if righteous is the standard, I am most definitely not righteous. And so the idea of someone who is unrighteous being punished and getting justice, it suddenly isn't as exciting anymore. And um, 
it's a scary thing until you realize the big, big picture and you see the gospel and that uh, we are able to become righteous because of what Jesus did for us. That through his life, death, and resurrection, we put our faith and trust in him. His righteousness is put on us and our sins are ultimately forgiven on the cross. And so though we are unrighteous, we are now righteous in the eyes of God. And so we don't have to be punished for our sins anymore because he took that punishment for us. And so when you read passages like this, it creates a tension. But then we get to ultimately with the, the big picture. Now that we have all of scripture, the Old and New Testament, we get to see the hope that we have in Christ. And it actually is incredibly encouraging for us. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was a good discussion. Um, it was really cool. And ultimately, what we said the take home is is just to reflect on on what God has done for us and let our hearts' affections be stirred for Him. And then, as our love for God grows, it will then drive us to give thanks and to praise Him. And then naturally, we will invite others to give thanks as well. And and so it, it was a, it was a good week of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um. So, proximity was this past Friday. Would you like to add anything? Um, so the sermon from Proximity is on the podcast already. You can go and listen to it there. Is there anything not mentioned in there that you'd like to add, Ryan? Yeah, so like Julia said, you can. Um, I'm not going to like redo the whole message <laughs> here. We don't have time for that. Um, if you'd like to listen to it, it's on our podcast, and I hope you will. But the, the general idea, the big theme is, is and the question really that goes with it, is will you trust in God's provision? Are you going to trust Him and trust that He's going to come through? Or are you going to live from a place where you are failing to trust Him and hoard the things that you think will sustain you? And so the image was the Israelites with manna, how they hoarded it because they didn't trust that God would provide for them the next day. But ultimately when they woke up, it was rotted out. And just... Something I didn't really talk about in the message, but um, I wanted to share was just the heart behind it and that ultimately God was teaching me something and he was working on my heart. And the question for me was, will I live from abundance or will I live from scarcity? And so basically boiling down, uh, all of us can do this. I know for me, I, I definitely can, is there are times in my life where I live like I have a scarcity of something. So for example, I will live like I have a scarcity of affirmation from others. I have a scarcity of acceptance. And so what that leads me to do is because I have a perceived scarcity of affirmation of acceptance is I will act then to, to, um, to try to get that affirmation and those acceptance. It will drive my action. It will drive my thoughts, my insecurities, because I perceive it as being scarce. But what God really was kind of teaching me was that you don't have to live from a scarcity because you have an abundance. You've been given so much from me. I've accepted you as you are. I've affirmed you because of what I did on the cross. And so you don't have to live for man's acceptance, man's affirmation, because you have mine ultimately through Jesus. And so the question being, and you can apply that to so many things, is will you live like it's a scarce resource, or will you live from the abundance that you have from God? Will you uh, live from the abundance of joy that you have from God? Will you live from the abundance of peace that you have from God? And Because when we do that, it most definitely shapes how we live our lives, how we think, how we speak to others as well. 
And so that I just want to kind of add that. Um, but I do hope you will go and, and listen to the message in, in whole and um, even read the passage of Exodus 16 as well. Well, we appreciate you for listening and tuning in. We hope that this was something that was beneficial for your heart and uh, for your life. And if you have any questions just in general, please feel free to let us know. You can message us on social media. You can even text us if you have your number or have our numbers or ask us at home teams. And we hope you'll join us at a home team if you're not already in one. Um, and those questions can be about anything. It can be about something we're studying home teams. It can be about something altogether. And maybe it's it's something we can answer on this podcast for you because I guarantee you, you're not the only one that has the question. So like we said, hope it was beneficial for you and uh, for your heart. And we hope that you'll tune in for a future podcast as well. Thanks guys.